pleased to be here with you. Thank you for your warm invitation and uh, welcome, Pastor Kevin. We were just settled right in here. It feels like we're at home here with you all. I had to be reminded that I had to come and speak now. <laughs> but uh, very glad that Kath can join me. And how special to be here with you guys this morning. And that fun news, we knew the secret ahead of time and had to keep it a secret like you, Pastor Kevin. We're delighted for you guys, right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, sure, we can talk for that. Well, I am delighted to be here with you on a Sunday when we're going to think together about missions, and we're going to do it near to here, and we're going to do it far from here, both. I hope that's okay, because even though I'm a global missions guy, I never want to give the idea that missions is only far away. Do you agree with that? It's also near here, and so, in fact, tonight, we're going to talk about handlebars, Okay, I'll just put that out there, handlebars, but we're going to talk about balance. You know, when you ride a bicycle, it's always wisest to have both hands on the handlebars. We'll talk a little bit about that. I hope you can come and join us for that special dinner tonight. Um, Just before we do that, I want to introduce you to uh, our family just quick, and that picture went up already. I've got so much stuff that this is moving. Can you see that happening? The, The lectern keeps getting away from me here. We'll see how that goes. And putting this on. Now, we already had a little bit of an introduction, but when I show this picture here, maybe I'll show it, but Nathan, you might have to help me. There it is. What country does this make you think of? Russia, you're exactly right. And so, as Pastor Kevin said, years ago, our family served in Russia and in Ukraine. Um, I hope I'm going forwards here. Help me, Nathan, and, and go again forward. There it is. Okay, so here's Russia, and you can see where Moscow is, sort of over on the uh, west side there, and there is a province in the middle of the country. Am I going to write? Maybe I'm the problem here. There we are. I'm the problem. Uh, there's this province, and it's called Krasnoyarsk. Now, there's something about the Russian language. You can hear when I say it a little bit. You can hear the R's in there, right? But in English, we say R, er, but in Russian, we say R, R. Okay? Give it a try. R. So we're going to say Krasnoyarsk together, right? Ready? Krasnoyarsk. Ooh, that's pretty good. We could train you all to be missionaries. <laughs> Perfect. We served there for a time when we first moved to the field. This is what our family looked like. We had one little guy, 15 months old, and we moved to the former Soviet Union. Some of you are old enough to remember the tension of those days. This was in the mid-90s when we moved there. And then, as, as already was shown very kindly, this is a picture of our family now. We say we used to have three kids. Now we have four because Amy has joined us. And they are all praying for us this morning. We had dinner together last night. They're praying for our meeting together this morning. And glad that Kath can be here uh, and Merla as well. We serve with this organization that is called Send International. It's a bit different than the Alliance Missions. Uh, We serve, or worship rather, at West London Alliance, and so we know denominational missions. SEND is a multi-denominational mission, and we set about, our mission statement is this, it's a global movement of Jesus followers making disciples among the unreached. And to try and describe this, we use three words, and these are our words, but I think they're good principles for us when we think about missions. These are the words we use, mobilize. 
We seek, by God's help, to help people get ready for missions, to make ready for action or service. And if you watch here, this is a family in uh, Alberta, actually. They're getting ready to go and work among Muslims in Europe. And there are other families here. I wonder whether you recognize these folks. Do you know them? You do. Of course, you do know Derek and Bonnie, and I reached out to them over the last couple of weeks, and they send their greetings. In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to pray again for them. Already, Pastor Kevin led us, but they send their greetings. The idea is, though, that churches here in Canada can help prepare workers for missions work. We want to help mobilize and get people ready to be goers. Derek and Bonnie are an example of goers, but we also want to mobilize not only the goers, we want to organize and mobilize senders. So I like to ask this of a church. If, if Derek and Bonnie are the goers and a church like UAC are the senders, which is more important? I heard it somewhere. Both. Both are important. And so I would like to submit very clearly today that missions is for everyone in a sense. We are all to be Christ's ambassadors. We're going to talk about that. But when you think globally, even though you may not be a global goer, would you please be a global sender? Because we need both in order for this to take place. Now, this is a picture of a life group, but it's not really a UAC life group, you know? You know about selfies, right? Right? And I was thinking that since I have Derek and Bonnie's picture up there, that it would be good to send them a picture of you guys. And we'll put your picture in there. What do you think? Good idea? Okay, so I'm going to go like this. I've got to flip my camera around like this. Okay, there I can see. I'll do it a couple of times. I'm going to get in this shot here. Can you, can you wave to Derek and Bonnie over here? Can you wave, guys? Okay, yeah. Okay, and over here, could you guys wave? And up there, too. You're not getting away with this, right? Okay, ready? Super. I'm going to send that to them as well. We need goers and senders, friends. The other thing that we say, we say we want to mobilize God's people to engage the unreached. And by unreached, we'll unpack that in a few minutes, we don't mean people who are necessarily just unsaved, but who do not have ready access to the gospel news. They don't have churches like UAC with all the ministries we heard about in the announcements, reaching out to the community. There are no kids clubs, no youth groups and they are unreached by the good news of the gospel. And we do this in order to establish reproducing churches. And I put this picture up here because I think this is a lovely looking church. I don't actually know where it is. But I want to ask you, if we say we want to produce, if we want to have reproducing churches, how easy is it to reproduce this type of church right here? That building is going to cost, frankly, several million dollars for a building like that in these days. And we don't think that that's a bad thing, but I don't want to plant an idea that when we say church planting, we mean make a church like this. That's not what we mean. In fact, more likely we mean this is what the church looks like here. By church planting, we mean to establish communities of faithful Christ followers 
who will worship the Lord and love each other and share the gospel with the people around them. So from now on, when you hear church planting, would you think of a group like this, please? When we say establishing, reproducing churches, this is what we have in mind. And that's gonna be true of Alliance missionaries and Send missionaries and Pioneers missionaries as we seek to take the gospel to the unreached. Uh, We did put a table out there, and I just wanna draw your attention to one piece of literature. There it goes. It's just fine, Daniel. It's my Bible. I'll set it, I'll set it to the side. <laughs> Thanks. Sorry for the interruption. I want to draw your, your attention to just one piece of literature. This is a prayer bookmark that you can use. Thank you, brother. To pray for missionary and missionary family that you know. It does have the Send uh, logo on it, but there is a prayer request for, a, a few prayer requests, in fact, for each day of the week for a missionary that you know. And so you can use this to pray for Derek and Bonnie, for example, each day of the week. And when you turn it over, there's a prayer request each day of the week for missionary kids, children who live in cross-cultural environments as their parents and their families serve. And so that's at the table. There's other information there, of course, about uh, possibilities of serving uh, with SEND as we look to serve faithfully around the world alongside alliance workers. When we lived in Ukraine, we did know some of the alliance workers who were there and still have compatible uh, complementary ministries together with them. We also uh, try to do some creative things, as Pastor Kevin said, and one of the things I wanted to mention is a podcast. Do any of you listen to podcasts? A few of you do. It's like an online radio broadcast that you can download into your phone, and we started something called the Global Missions Podcast. This episode was, how is God at work in the Muslim world today? This last week, we recorded an episode on how you can pray for your missionaries. A couple of weeks ago, we recorded an episode that was how to love a missionary who is on furlough or home assignment, I think we call it in the Alliance, or, or home, uh, home service, whatever it's called, Uh, We've got ideas. Those are 30-minute episodes that you can listen to different missions topics. The last thing I want to mention is something called the Go Journal. If you're ever thinking of being on a short-term mission, this is a journal that you can take with you. It has um, guided readings before you go to the field. It has areas to fill in each day while you're on the field. And then very importantly, it has a post-field element where you can unpack your experience There is the journey book, which looks like this one. Everybody on the team gets this one. And then we have a leader's guide that goes with that if you happen to be leading a team. And I know, I think it was, was it Peru that you mentioned that that there was a ministry to Peru? Um, This is not just for send missionaries. It could work for any uh, goer, any team. So there's just a quick introduction to how we are serving and the experience that we have. I would like to lift our eyes for a few minutes here to talk about a task unfinished. A task unfinished. So the Lord, when he finished his ministry on earth, he came to the end of his life very purposefully, went to the cross and died on the cross to pay the price for the sins of all of humanity and then rose again three days later to everlasting life. This is the gospel, amen? It's the good news of the gospel. And then he gave instructions to his followers. And he said, you are to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I'd like to give a bit of an update on how things are going in these days. And so I'd like to talk about unreached people groups 
And to do this, there's an insert in your bulletin. It's colorful. It's green and red and yellow. We're going to use the front half of that this morning. We're going to use the back half of it tonight. So it's a two-parter. If you would go to the side that has the map on it, you're invited to jot in a few notes and fill it in as we go along here. What do we mean by an unreached people group, first of all? An unreached people group is an ethnic people group among which there is no indigenous or local community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize that people group. This is one of the priorities of the Alliance. It's one of the priorities of SEND. And what uh, one website, very helpful resource I recommend to you called the Joshua Project has done is they have taken the world's population and divided it into three sections. Yesterday, I went on the internet and found that the human population yesterday afternoon was estimated to be 7,739,700,314. So I I summarize that and say 7.7 billion people. That fits in a little slot if you like to fill in the the, uh, handout. 7.7 7.7 billion people. And the Joshua Project takes those, uh, those three parts. They say yellow, excuse me, green access to the gospel is ready access. These are people that have access to churches, sometimes um, uh, other types of ministries like youth groups and Awana and seminaries and colleges. They have the scriptures in their own language. Yellow represents that part of the world's population where the gospel may be known but is not necessarily well established and they benefit from outside helps still. And red represents that portion of the world's population that has yet to hear the gospel in a culturally appropriate way, in a clear way that they understand. These are the populations, the significantly reached, the superficially or minimally reached, that's the yellow, or unreached, the populations are 40.7% have ready access to the gospel, that's good news. Another 17.5% have some access, and some are doing math really quickly in your heads. The remainder leaves almost 42%, 41.8% of the world's population yet without a clear personal expression of the gospel in a way that they would hear and understand. It has been estimated on the Joshua Project website that over 80% of Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists. Over 80% of Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists have never met a Christian. How would they possibly hear and understand the gospel if they haven't met a Christian yet? They haven't heard. And so we want to think especially about the red zone. As an agency, we're seeking to think about the red zone What the project has done is put those same colors onto the map now for us. This is a rough geographic distribution of where those peoples are. And you can see that there's an area. In fact, in missions, we have this term we use. Uh, It's called the 1040 window. Some of you may have heard of this before. We draw a line at 10 degrees north latitude and a line at 40 degrees north latitude. And in that window... Which is, which is just a drawing on a map, right? You can't really see that, right? You can't see that from the space station. 80, uh, 
of Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists in that area without access, 68.5% of unreached people groups are represented in that window. Think with me just quickly, what is the weather like in that window? Tropical, and the temperature is going to be hot very often, not always, but very often. What is the um, political flavor like in these places? Think across North Africa and through the Middle East. There's tension. The population there, is it, is it going to be, uh, well, what's the population related to our place? In all of North America, we have somewhere between five and 6% of the world's population in North America. Five to 6%, 60% live in Asia. There are approximately 10 people in Asia for every one person in North America. So the population is high. What I mean to say by this is to go to the red zone is going to be very challenging, friends. Very challenging. And we're praying that the Lord would raise up goers and senders. I have prayed over this last week that the Lord would be raising up goers from UAC, from your church. That here in this congregation, the Lord would be preparing workers to send out as goers and perhaps some of you would go to some of these places. I want to plant the seeds of those ideas. And I'm praying that the Lord would raise up senders from this church so that it wouldn't just be about going but that each of you would have a role understanding that you are to participate in sending those workers as well. The other imbalance that we're facing is the amount of money that we send to these parts of the world. 99.7% of mission activities is currently directed to where the church already exists. 99.7%. So, of course, that means 0.3% of resources are allocated to where the church is not. That means that out of $100, 30 cents is going toward reaching the unreached right now. Sometimes people say to me, Mags, should we not send missionaries to the green zone or to the yellow zone anymore? And I don't want to suggest that. I think that there are very valid ministries to which we should send workers in the green and yellow, but I do think that when the proportion is this imbalanced, that we need to reconsider how and where we are sending our missionary resources. So this is just a little bit of a status update. Tonight we're going to talk about the the balance of how we go about this. We're going to look into being goers and senders. Remember, I talked about the handlebars. I hope you could come tonight. But for our time, the rest of this morning, I'd like to turn to God's word with you and 2 Corinthians chapter five. Valerie read for us this morning from there. And I'm going to read periodically from here, but as you... As you can imagine, I have an opportunity to talk about charts and statistics and hopefully bring you a little bit up to date on the status of global missions. And what we are praying for is a sustained and faithful effort to engage the unreached with the message of the gospel. What I have come to understand, though, is that maps and statistics and charts are not going to be the core of what we need to do this faithfully. And that's why this part of the message originally felt a little bit unusual to to me because I'm not gonna focus on the rest of the world, I'm gonna focus on us. I'm gonna focus on God's people. 
Because I really have come to believe that if we are going to go to the red zone, it's going to take a very deep commitment to the gospel. And it's going to take a deep commitment on the part of the goers, and it's going to take a deep commitment on the part of the senders. Sometimes people say to me, well, Mags, I'm not going to be a goer. I'm not going to go to the mission field. And we say, well, we need senders. But if I may say, if I may speak to one group that may be here today, I want to speak to the senders who will be the family members of the goers. It's bright in my heart this morning. The concern that families, we value families very highly, that grandparents and parents of mission workers need to be ready to release them to go and to serve. Those are some of the things that I want to unpack this morning. But if we don't have a deep commitment to the gospel, if the senders don't have a deep commitment to the gospel, then I don't think it's gonna work. It's gonna take extraordinary commitment to go to those parts of the world. That's what we'll unpack here for the last bit of time that we have. Um, I'd like to play a little bit with words. Nathan, can you take me to number 28, please? Slide number 28. There are some words in the English language that work as a noun and a verb. You know what I mean? What's a verb? A verb is a, an action word, and a noun is a thing. And so I'd like to play with this word here, Oh, I'm, this, is, this is the slide before, that's fine. Oh, okay, thanks. There it is. Treasure, treasure. Treasure, treasure. Is it a noun or a verb? It's both. And so what I mean to do this morning is say, I'm concerned that when we talk about the treasure, we think of finances, we think of money, we think of stuff. And there's a risk that we can treasure, treasure. Do you understand what I mean? Smile a little bit, huh? We get it, it's a little corny, Mags. Corny? Treasure, treasure. That there is a risk that we can get entangled with stuff and things. And we say, yes, uh, it's a risk. It's a risk for Christ followers that we as God's people can be entangled in stuff. And I wanna be careful to remind us that we're not. You think about how often does finance come into your worldview? When you think about your world, how often money is important? It helps guide us in our life decisions. Should I take this job or not take this job? Should I move my family? Do both spouses in our house need to work in order to feed and house our family? Finances weaves into a lot of different things. And I know that there were some wise words recently I read by a gentleman who said these wise words recently. He said, part of kingdom living is to intentionally leverage our resources with a vision of generosity and grace in order to fulfill God's will on earth because Jesus is Lord. Have you heard these words before? You have. They were spoken by a wise man. A wise man. (laughs) Because I was on the website and I listened to last week's message. Just last week, Pastor Daniel was talking about this. And it's true that we want to intentionally leverage. So I'm not gonna go much into treasure because we thought about it, we we prayed about it last week. But could you be mindful that your finances are being stewarded, they're not all yours? That manifesto, the constitution of the New Testament as you called it, Daniel. 
because Jesus is Lord. I wanna go back to this treasure, treasuring treasure idea. It's also possible that we treasure a treasure. And here what I mean is a caution that we as God's people do not treasure other things that happen not to be financial. So what do I mean by that, for example? What I mean by that are things that are special to us but not actually money or physical belongings. Here in Canada, we are relatively affluent but we're also relatively stable. And I would submit that we have things here that we treasure. And one of them is our comfort. I'm gonna start with that one. Are you comfortable? We're sitting in in pews, we sometimes say comfortable pews, but to live in Canada generally is a comfortable place to live, and I like being comfortable. We have the freedom to go where we want, when we want. Not everybody enjoys that. We can eat what we want, we can meet together when we want, we can worship what we want. Um, You know, in spite of our economy, which has challenges in our healthcare, that's true, the cold weather, The fact that the Maple Leafs haven't won the Stanley Cup forever. We live in a very comfortable place. Would we be willing to set that aside or are we treasuring a treasure of comfort? Are we treasuring the treasure of safety? When you think about the red zone that we had up on the map there, some of those places are not safe. And we're going to be, we need to be willing to send sometimes our loved ones to go to those places where the risk level will be higher than it is here. Are we treasuring the comfort? Are we treasuring safety? There are other things we treasure as Canadians. uh, Efficiency, convenience. You know, I used to talk about microwave ovens. Instead of heating the oven to 350 degrees, we just get used to putting it in and hitting it for 30 seconds and we're ready to go. And we used to use paper maps. This morning we drove from London here. We did not have a paper map in our car, right? Because we just click on the phone and there it is. The GPS tells us how many more meters until the next turn. Uh, We're used to the internet. We're used to high-speed internet. Do any of you remember (laughs) dial-up? Right? And we get used to convenience. To go away from that, I assure you, will not be comfortable. But are we treasuring the things that make Canada, Canada? Would you be willing to lay that down to take the gospel? And the only reason that you would do that is if you treasure the treasure. I submit that you will not go unless you treasure the treasure. And I would submit that you will not willingly, lovingly release your loved ones to go unless you treasure the treasure, and it is the most important thing. Of course, I I put it this way. Sometimes if you're texting it, if you wanted to say treasure the treasure, then you need to put it in all caps with asterisks, right? And a meme probably too. Jesus said it this way, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and he sold 15% of what he had and bought that field. Not even half. He sold everything he had. And Jesus is putting the point to us that unless this is the most important thing, the challenges of this world will entangle us and dissuade us from going to the hard places to take the gospel there. 
In the last few minutes, I want to just look with you with Paul, and here we are finally to 2 Corinthians. Just a few verses from the Apostle Paul where he helps us with an example because he was one of those who stayed faithful to it along the way. How did he stay faithful? How did he treasure the treasure? Three things, and this is in the outline that's actually in the bulletin. If you want to switch over to the bulletin, the rest of this morning is here. He had a bright sense of God's goodness. Can you say that with me? A bright sense of God's goodness. What do we mean by that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That is the gospel, and Paul had it in his heart that he had been forgiven. Part of the goodness of God to you this morning, church, is that you, if you've put your faith in Christ, is that you have been forgiven. Do you remember that this morning? You have been forgiven. Amen? This is good news. Are there, you don't have to show with a f- show of hands. If I were to ask, are there sinners here this morning? Your hand would go up. And if you've put your faith in Christ, are there forgiven sinners here this morning? Show your hand if you're a forgiven sinner. You're a forgiven sinner. Do you remember that this morning, that the gospel is for you? That the price has been paid by our Lord Jesus? If anyone is in Christ, this is verse 17, Paul, just a few verses earlier. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. I do want to remind you this morning that you have been saved. This is good news. You know, there's so many elements to this. We could spend all morning in this alone. There's one illustration I'll just share with you quick. Dr. Bart was a doctrinal uh, expert. Let me put that away just for a second. If you were to study his works, they are deep and long, as you can see there. In fact, why don't I, since I showed you how many pages, this is what it looks like. If you want to get a little summary of Dr. Bart's theological thinking, here it is. He was visiting with a student once, though, and that student said to him, Dr. Bart, in all your study, in all your learning, what is the most important thing that you have learned? And Dr. Bart thought for a moment, and he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. There are lyrics of many songs that include this. I chose to put one in here. This is how the lyric goes. Maybe you know this song. So won't you come? Come all you weary and you burdened. I'm not gonna ask this morning if there's anyone here who's weary and burdened, but I know that you're here. The gospel is for you today. You heavy laden and you hurting, all of you with nothing left, come and find rest. What if I were to tell you that the fight's already been won? Well, I think your day's about to get better. What if I were to tell you that the work's already been done? That's not good news. It's the best news ever. The gospel is true for us, friends. It's the best news ever, and we need to be reminding ourselves of it. And so I ask you this question, and I'm actually just gonna give you a very short moment of quiet prayer by yourself.
I'm gonna do it three times, quick as we finish. Three quiet prayers. Would you ask yourself this? How often do you remember and revel in God's goodness toward me? Would you just take a moment and thank the Lord for his goodness toward you this morning? Let's pray. Lord, this morning, we just thank you for your goodness towards us in the gospel. And we pray that it would be bright in our hearts as we remember your goodness towards us. Lord, I pray that if there are those here this morning who have not received that goodness, that they would be stirred and drawn, drawn to you. And we pray that you would minister, Lord, to our missionary friends as well. We've talked about uh, Derek and Connie, and about a gentleman, I'm just gonna call him David. It's not his real name, I know, but I just wanna mention him and pray that the gospel would be bright in their hearts where they are today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The first sense that Paul had was a bright sense of God's goodness. The second was a bright sense of eternity. Eternity. We are drawn by our culture, our world, our activity around us, and we may be drawn in to the thinking that this world is all that exists, but it's not true. This world is not all that exists, friends. It permeates Paul's thinking, however, and he writes this. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And our world is like a super magnet, isn't it, friends? To think about things that are here and now or in the next week with our daytimers and our planners or the next year. iPhones, Android devices, business endeavors, kids' activities, teenagers' activities, ministry tasks, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, Snapchat, I can go on, right? Things that distract us and pull us away. But what I'm suggesting is these are not bad things or unimportant, but we need as God's people to see everything through the lens of eternity. That this world is not all there is. And if we think about eternity, how does that cause us to think about ourselves? If we know that this life is brief, but eternity goes on, how do we think about ourselves? How do we think about the resources that we have and what we will use? How do we think about our relationships? People who are in our families, perhaps, in light of eternity. What about our neighbors and friends and coworkers with whom the Lord has given us association in our neighborhoods or workplaces or schools? If this world isn't all there is, there's something far more important to also think about. C.S. Lewis, uh, writer of the Narnia series and many other fine books, he, he said this, very simple statement. You have never met a mortal soul. There's no person that you've met with a soul that is not going to live forever. The question is, will they spend that eternity with God or separated from God? Will they send it in the presence of God in heaven or will they be separated from God 
in hell. Eternity is real, and Paul was aware of this. It was part of his thinking, and I want to I want to challenge us, urge, I'm urging myself, I'm urging you, be mindful of eternity. Sometimes it's more poignant than others. This week we heard some very sad news from uh, a music artist. His name is Toby Mack. Some of you hear the news from Toby Mack's family where a son, 21 years old, suddenly lost. And eternity just grows brighter very quickly. This week, uh, one of Cass' friends, a lady shared with her closest friends that she's just learned that she has cancer and now faces treatment. Life change. Eternity matters, friends, but if we don't have eternity in our hearts, these things will slip away. So let me ask this. To what degree, please ask yourself, to what degree is eternity a part of my daily thinking? And would you take just another short moment and talk to the Lord about this? To what degree is it part of your daily thinking and ask him to brighten it in your heart? Let's pray. Lord, we confess that sometimes we are so distracted by things here that we forget about eternity or it's at the back of our minds. And so I pray that you would brighten it in my heart, Lord, and brighten it in all our hearts. And we pray this for Derek and Bonnie, that eternity would be bright in their hearts today and in David's heart. Lord, would you bless them with a bright sense of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally, we press on right to the finish. A bright sense, would you say this with me? A bright sense of God's goodness. Okay, I didn't do that very well, did I? God's goodness first, ready? A bright sense of God's goodness. A bright sense of eternity. And the last one is a bright sense of our ambassadorship. Our ambassadorship. I'm not sure it's a real word, actually. I might have made that one up. Paul said this. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. In the mystery of God's sovereignty, and the way he controls things in concert with his authority, he has made the church, us as God's people, the primary ambassadors of the good news. He's entrusted it to us and we are the main vehicle. And so we need to think about how God is making his appeal through us. He has placed us, in some cases, very particularly into a workplace, into a neighborhood, into a school setting and we are the bearers of the message. Um, Pastor Kevin, when you were introducing us, you said originally that we were from Ottawa and actually that's sort of kind of true because Kath grew up in Ottawa and from time to time as a family, we've been back to Ottawa. So uh, I'll just show you this quick picture. I thought I would show you a quick picture. So maybe you'll have to imagine the picture. I'm sorry. I have a picture of our family in front of the Peace Tower in Ottawa. 
One time when we were at Kath's church, there was a gentleman who came to speak as a special speaker at the church. And he was actually an ambassador from an Asian country. He was officially an ambassador, a Christ follower, and he came to tell us a bit about his testimony. But what he also shared was his work as an ambassador. And he said, my responsibility and privilege is to come to your country and to represent my king. And I bear the message of my king to your country. And sometimes the policies of my king are very pleasant to Canada. And I'm appreciated as an ambassador. And there are times when the policies of my king are not so pleasant to Canada. And I hear all about it. You see, the ambassador is the primary recipient of the reaction to the king's message. What he said was, though, even though I am my king's ambassador, I do not have the right, I do not have the capacity or the power or the authority to change the message. I can't adapt it. And you see the parallels for us, right? We are our king's ambassadors. We are the message bearers of our king, and we have come to a foreign place. We are travelers here, Philippians 3, We are passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are ambassadors of our king. He's given us a message. We cannot change the message. We must share the message. We must bear the reaction to that message, but we cannot adjust it. Are you aware today of your ambassadorship? And I'm gonna give you a moment to pray over this idea. And I would like you to think of that context. If you're a student, maybe it's gonna be in school someplace, college, university, high school, If you're a worker, an employee of some point, put yourself in your place of employment. If you live in a neighborhood or perhaps you live in a flat on some uh, high rise, think of the people on your floor, down your hallway, that the Lord has put you there to be an ambassador. Would you just take a moment and pray, say, Lord, would you help me to be your ambassador where you have placed me? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have put this church here in Unionville, in Markham, in the east side of the GTA, and that you have spread out these sisters and brothers into various places to be your ambassadors. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mission-minded right where you have placed us. Lord, we also pray this for Derek and Bonnie this morning that you would give them a bright sense of their ambassadorship to that Asian country where you have placed them and to David where you have placed him as an equipper, as a trainer. Would you give them a bright sense of their ambassadorship? Lord, our desire is to faithfully serve you in this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Just finishing here, and I'm gonna read through them. I'm gonna ask you to read through them with me again. If we are going to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to the red zone among those places, we need goers and senders who are treasuring the treasure, which means having a bright sense of God's goodness, bright sense of eternity, and a bright sense of our ambassadorship. It really is so important, friends, that we as God's people here, the senders, getting the goers ready, that we have a sense of this. And I hope that you may come to hold these three, th- three things there. 
The life groups, if you're in a life group, you get a chance to process this later in the week as well. We close in prayer together and I'll invite the worship team to come as we uh, close. Thank you for leading us today. Then Pastor Kevin, you can come afterwards, but just let me close and ask for the Lord's blessing on these ideas. And Hope might see you tonight to talk about handlebars. Father, this morning we just again thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you reminded us this morning about the reality of eternity and we thank you that you have entrusted us with the good news of the gospel. I pray that you would weave it together in our hearts, Father, as we look to serve you this coming week where you have placed us. You are indeed the hope of the world, the hope of the world, and we give ourselves to this in Jesus' name, amen.